Welcome to the Real Triathlon Podcast. I'm your host, Garrick Lowen, here with Nicholas Chase and Jackson Laundry. Welcome back to the Real Triathlon Podcast. The boys are back. We got all three of us here doing this intro, doing the interview, and hanging around for the whole podcast, finally. So we had quite the weekend. For those who of you who get your news from Ironman, you probably didn't know that there was a pro Ironman race last weekend in Ironman, Florida. And our boy, Nick, took part. I know he didn't have the day he was looking for, but Nick, what was it like kind of having the boots on the ground there? Well, yeah. I mean, in all respect to the distance and the event, like it was just great to be there to see the COVID-19 protocols be put in place. Everyone taking it very seriously, social distancing and volunteers being very protected. Cause that's obviously one of the key aspects that Ironman wants to make sure those who are out there helping support the race are safe. So on a race standpoint as well, like one of the toughest fields I've ever taken part in at, at really any race. I mean, I'd say the, it's a world championship field. If you look at who showed up, so it was full on from the gas, but or from, from the get go, but ultimately, um, great time. I mean, I'm glad that I did whatever I could to show up and have a, the best day that didn't happen. <laughs> so when you, um, just going into a little more detail there, you had a pretty good swim and then things started coming apart on the bike. I'm sure everybody's been in this place before. I know I have what happened on the bike that was really starting to, you know, debilitate your uh, power output. Yeah. So I would say two weeks prior, um, I had a really good race in Claremont, Florida, um, associated travel. And a week before that I had a Belgian, a six hour gravel race. And then a couple of weeks before that I had a 7.3. So in retrospect, all those things added up way more than I gave credit. And there's been times in my career where I go to put out threshold power or near it during intervals leading into a race and the body just taps out after 10 seconds. And even after a week of dealing with that crap, even on taper week, it was still power. You know, you're just like, okay, well, if I just rest, I'm going to absorb this fitness. I'll be ready on race day. So the swim, obviously you can get, you can fake a pretty good swim, come out in the lead pack, but then man, I'll tell you what, it, it was not a normal Ironman event either because we were seeing spikes of 400, 380. The guys on the front were really putting in some big efforts. Um, and normally I'm there swinging along with them, but just, <laughs> it was like slowly just like, it was like the Titanic when the dude just like slides off the door and dies slowly as he's drowning and like that's exactly what was happening to me on the bike like no like I can normally ride with these guys but they're leaving me behind and the legs weren't responding the back tightened up and then like within an hour I was like okay I'm gonna just be on my own today and we'll just try to salvage the day and then an hour later I was like sitting up on my hoods like okay I think I'm done I'd rather just be done and then every five miles I was like okay just keep going nope I'm done and then okay, just keep going. I think I'm going to, I'm going to be done. Anyways, long story is you just keep trying to salvage the old race, but you know, it is what it is. It's ugly. So the legs were just underperforming. The mind was underperforming and those days happen to everybody. Yada, yada. 
Well, there you go. Yeah, so you didn't even mention how you had the shoulder injury, which couldn't have helped, but wasn't the undoing on the day. Um, and then with all that travel and the previous couple of races in your legs, it's always going to be a 50-50 whether you have a good day or not. So on to yeah. the next one, which is yep. what for you? Um, man, I'm, I'm putting my name in for going all in for the win at 70.3 Haines City on 13 or 12 December, whatever that weekend is. Um, um, yeah, so that's that's my main goal, and I pulled out at 13 miles of the run just because I was uh, just done. You know, there's nothing nothing to be gained by committing the Sufferfest, and uh, there was a lot of other people out there who were actually doing well, and I don't want to take any applause away from them. You know, I don't want any sympathy. Keep going. So those always suck even worse than you know DNFing, honestly, but. <laughs> That's the way she goes, man. I'm not upset. I, this is, you know, this is just another step. And uh, had I had another couple weeks to prepare, like I was planning for, for Ironman Arizona before that got canceled, I think it'd be in a different story right now. So this is 2020. Welcome. And hopefully it's almost done. Well, Nick, I think you are the first athlete in 2020 to have overraced. <laughs> thanks Garrick <laughs> that's absolutely true <laughs> oh man holy shit yeah. um but that's yeah impressive. so anyway, the best part about it is though we've had a lot of guys and friends you know since we're pretty good pals with a lot of the guys seven guys went sub eight hours seven of them holy cow and even our buddy Cody Wait, no, who, it wasn't it was five of them I mean five guys went under seven hours that was under eight hours under eight hours um <laughs> Five guys went under eight hours. I can't even believe it. Cody is in the other room, and he was one of the guys who did it. Um, and he ran like a 246. I was so impressed with that. So some absolutely awesome running for those guys who were able to just focus, crush. And most impressive of 2020, Chris Leiferman. Got to be. Like, look at that man. One great Floridian. Uh, a couple weeks ago and I was riding with him then and he blew me away with what he was capable of in the last 20, 10 miles. And he just blew the pack away within the last 15 miles of that bike pack and just did all the work. So hats off to him and ran two for um, two fifty, two fifty. 250. Yeah. Yeah. That was impressive. So he, he led the charge and uh, won the men's race. Hanson came through with a really strong run for second and uh, Sam Long came through after a bit of a tough bike for him. Oh, man. Third. So Sam Long went by me at about 45 minutes in. Um, and he didn't go by in his normal rocket fashion. His head was buried in his hands. He was staring at the ground, and he was breathing like he was playing the tuba. Uh, that, that guy knows how to dig deep, but he still knows how to pull results out of, out of his body, even when he's on the ropes, man. I was so impressed with Sam. Yeah, youngest American ever to go sub eight hours. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. And he did it by quite a bit. Yeah, so that was amazing. And then on the women's <laughs> side, our pre-race favorite Sky Monch was able to pull second. off second place. But we had a bit of a surprise for the win. What do you think about that, Eric? Katrina Matthews. Yeah, yeah, she would look like. I mean, obviously, the race coverage by Iron Man was awful, but. <laughs> <laughs> from what I could see, it looked like she had a great swim, got out front, and ended up running away with it. She's, I think she's the only athlete under three hours on the run there, which was a whole – I think she ran almost four minutes faster than Sky. 
But She's moving. Yeah, there was a point where they were kind of within a minute of each other. Or they were dead even, I think. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Katrina really laid it down in the second half of the run. But huge shout out to Sky Monch. That was a really good performance by her coming after everything this whole year with you know 2020 and everybody's battling through it to be able to be a race favorite, show up for the race, and still come top two, finish on the podium. That you mm-hmm. can that every day. She's and a she fortress. Did, she had a great race. It's you know, it's different if she kind of like fell apart and lost it but she really you know Matthews really won that race and Sky still had a great race so that's just you know a good battle up front and kudos to those two and then it was Kessler in third was it not it was absolutely yeah she's uh, how many podiums do you think she has in her career like unbelievable more times um, than I've even raced she's won and podium she's amazing yeah, she's unbelievable and then Ruth Astle who we've had on the podcast before Secured a Kona slot, I saw, and yep. came fourth with the fastest bike split. I believe it was around a 432. So awesome for her. I think that might have been her first pro Ironman. Um, believe it was. Yeah, possibly. So unbelievable. Um, I would just ride like that speed. I would also just like to point out that in the top five, we have already interviewed three of those girls. So if you're not tuning in here regularly, I don't know what you're doing. We yeah, get the thinking? best. <laughs> yeah absolutely so first Ironman in the books it went well nobody complained about COVID so it must have been pretty safe hopefully that keeps going and we're on pace to be able to race in Haines City and in Daytona so things are looking good um, as far as other things going on in the triathlon world on the pro side we have another Zwift Pro Tri Series so the Zwift Pro Tri Series number two is coming up it's actually going to be going on the same day as this airs. The first race already happened. So you know what happened. So I won't go too much into it. However, huge amount of stud names, 20 men, 20 women on the list. And it's three short, really tough races back to back to back for the men and women. So it's the men race and the women race, men race, women race, men race, women race. So it's going to be extremely tough, especially because that third race is an uphill time trial. So I think I might actually, for that. it might actually be the hardest just bike training sessions of my life in these next few weeks so we'll see how that goes but I came fourth in the last one hoping to crack the podium in this one and just absolutely go for it but uh we got the Brownleys in there on the men's side and a lot of the dudes who did well in the first series and then pretty much a who's who of triathlon on the women's side as well so which hill for that uh the first one is like the lead in to volcano KOM and then it's volcano KOM finish. And then that's fast. Yeah. And that's the third race. The first race is crit city and it's six laps and each lap they have points at the KOM banner. So it's like six sprints. And then the second one is a scratch race on London classic. So I think it's just like going to be just a sprint to the finish and everyone drafts. I hope because then you don't actually have to kill yourself for that one until the end. Um, So it's going to be nuts. It's that, well, that's no point saying what time it is, but it's around two Eastern each week. And this one already happened. Hopefully we can toss up some promotion real quick on the podcast. And we'll get some, we'll get some good video coverage. Um, and we'll put it, hopefully if Jackson, if you can get video coverage, we'll put it up on some YouTube stuff. Yeah, for sure. Sweet. We're pumped, right. man. So win. Speaking of stud names, who do we got coming on today? Nicholas. 
we've got Leslie Smith. She is absolutely awesome, great personality. Her story is incredibly unique, and that's why we wanted to highlight her. She doesn't have the traditional build background uh, training stats that we would have come, you know, come to know and love. She came out of nowhere. She's a force to be reckoned with. She has a stellar past two years of pro athlete racing, and you're just going to want to hear about her approach, her mentality, and just her awesome personality. So make sure you stick around for that interview next. All right, and we are here with Leslie Smith. We haven't had a lot of action lately going on in the race field, but honestly, Leslie has still been out there kicking ass training for something, and it looks like we're getting ready for some of the bigger races of the year. Number one, Challenge Daytona, and then we're all going to be at Florida 70.3, hopefully. So, Leslie, welcome to the podcast. Hopefully, we have you on as a repeat guest. We're just looking for some – we want someone to join the Three Toms Club could be you. We don't know. Maybe. Okay. Maybe. Awesome. Well, thanks um, for having me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, our listeners always want to know stories, backstories, embarrassing stories, um, you know, achievement, all those things. So if you could just, how did you find the sport? How did you start dominating it? And when did you realize that like you had everything it took to be a pro level athlete? Well, I found the sport basically because, you know, I had done sports growing up and been active my whole life. Um, and I was a competitive runner in high school. And then I ran at the University of Missouri in college. And, um, but I, that only lasted about like two years because it just, it just wasn't for me at the time. And it was like a, a year round thing. And, and then I kind of decided it was more important for me to have a little more normal of a college life. So then I, you know, stepped away from running, you know, always stayed active off and on. And, and then after college, I worked in event management where I traveled a lot, but I worked a lot um, remotely. So I had a pretty flexible schedule. So, you know, in my kind of late 20s, I joined a triathlon club in Austin, Texas, because I was just ready to, to be a consistently active human again. And, um, and then it just kind of went from there. I mean, I never had any big lofty goal when I started of being a pro, um, you know, and even then when I did get my pro card, I just kind of, again, didn't have any really big lofty goals. I was like, well, I think it's going to be less expensive to do this sport if I don't have to pay as many registration fees. I mean, I mean, those are the things I was thinking at the time. And then, like I said, I always had a pretty flexible schedule and so got more and more into training. And then I would say, you know, and trying to do this in a nutshell, I would say in 2014, I visited Boulder and this is when I was, how old was I? 30, I think. Um, yeah. And I just, you know, came to visit for a little bit and train and then I, I really liked it and I ended up staying here and now it's however many years later, but I would say that when I moved to Boulder and then got involved with the scene here, I started having some better results. I started getting some better coaching, um, or I shouldn't say better. I had good coaching before, but just, just different. And, and then it just kind of kept progressing from there. And, and I've never really had, again, these huge plans with it. I've just tried to enjoy it and enjoy the, the process of it and the journey. And I've just always tell, told myself, as long as I stay on an upward trajectory, just in general, obviously this year doesn't count for anyone, but as long as I stay on an upward trajectory. Right, general, does not count. 
Yeah, it doesn't count. Um, it doesn't count when it goes to that rule I gave myself. Um, you know, as like as, as long as it keeps going well, I'm just going to keep plugging away. So that's kind of been my story with it. And um, yeah, so nothing too exciting, but it's just kind of been year by year and um, race by race and just, yeah, a lot of ups and downs as with anything in life. But it's overall been, um, yeah, pretty awesome. And so- well- when you kind of ventured into this sport, you said you slowly got into it, slowly got better. Was there a point there where you said, okay, I'm, I'm going to go all in here and I'm going for it? Or was it always grad? You know, that's, that's a good question. I would say when I, when I decided I was going to live in Boulder was around when that was, because then I also decided to step away. I, I still have always done some sort of you know, aside from coaching now, I've always done some contract work off and on through connections I had from work I did before starting triathlon, but I decided to not do any more work where I had to travel. What was the work, by the way? Uh, it was, well, in, in general, it was event management, but it was a lot of like mass participatory bike rides and runs for nonprofits like Susan G. Komen oh. 5Ks. Um, never really any triathlons, actually, mostly big. Uh, what I worked with the Livestrong uh, Challenge bike rides, um, and this was all when I was living in Austin, Texas, because I got involved with a couple companies that uh, did that kind of work. So, so yeah, I mean, it, again, it, it gave me a flexible schedule to kind of get into triathlon, but the travel really, the travel and the event weekends were, I mean, just, you know, a huge detriment to it. So once I decided to not do that anymore, I would say that's when I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going for this now more than I was before. What about your project, your trajectory from age group athlete to pro athlete? Like, what did you, how did you find that? Was it like, Hey, like, okay, now I'm, I'm an amateur, but I'm still finishing in the top 10 against all the pros. Or was it like, how, well, there's not like a developmental program. So right. how did you find that? <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no developmental program definitely for me with that. And, and just, I mean, just to be honest, I got my pro card very soon after I started, but it was kind of one of those qualification things where it was a race where that happened to be, if you were in the top three in the elite group, you got your pro card and in hindsight, I had no place um, you, th- that wasn't really indicative of, oh, now it's time to be a pro. It just kind of worked out that way. And then I was like, well, I might as well just do it. Cause again, it seemed like a more financially, you know, easier way of doing the sport. Um, yeah. So I didn't really have a long time. I didn't actually even do that many amateur races. And again, I, I don't say that in any way being like, oh, cause I didn't need to No, I probably needed to do a lot more. No, you're um, a badass I, mofo, and you didn't. I, well, I, I probably should have got... done a lot more than I did, especially if I was going to go try to do seventy point threes like very soon. So, um, but it, you know, it, it ended up working out. But in hindsight, it was probably a little quick. So, it looks like you know you have a win in twenty fourteen, twenty fifteen, and you have about sixteen pro podiums, is what I'm seeing here. It looks like you know, it was maybe the right call when, when you see that you got a win in 2014 and that was one of your very first years. Um, I think it you looks like it was talent. the right move. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, so I want to skip ahead a little bit here. 2019, and we've chatted about this a little bit off the air. You had four second places in a, and sorry, in 2019, four second places in a fourth. And yeah. uh, you had a second in the full Ironman at Boulder, which is like a hometown race or for where you live and, and three 70.3s. Um, yeah. I've, yeah. So like, 
Out of those performances, I mean, those are your, your most recent races. Like, which of those sticks out as, like, kind of your best day and how did it happen? And are any of those, like, you feel like a win, like, slipped through your fingers and it was really close? Or how, how did that kind of go? You know, I don't know if I would say slipped through my fingers. It was more kind of like, you know, for example, I look at the cup wins I had in 2014 and 15, and I, and I think I – just when I look at my numbers and – the my, you know, level of competition right now, I would say I'm a better athlete now. Um, you know, so it's a little bit of an arbitrary thing, you know, win is a win, but you know, there's, there's a lot of factors involved, but I would say last year, uh, I would say probably my best race was just that I was the most happy with was Texas 70.3. Um, it was Galveston. Yeah. Galveston. It was a, it was a PR and honestly, I didn't, really expect um you know I, I didn't have my fastest run split ever but other than that it was you know but overall it was pr and it's i mean it's a fast course again times in yeah. triathlon are very relative but like even if you take that out of it it was still probably my best 70.3 i've done um nice. so i would say i would say that one if i had to choose one last year so um yeah that's that's the one i would say okay yeah. so leslie it sounds like you've been the perfect storm. Like, obviously, did you just have your shit together all the time? Or did you stumble with nutrition? Did you stumble with overtraining? Did you ever have troubles with injury? Like, it seems like you're just like, like, well, I'm going to take this pro license and then I'm going to really dominate the sport. Yeah. That's well, I don't know if I'd look at it like that, but I will say <laughs> I just have really never knock on wood, uh, knock on wood, you know, been very injury prone. I think that that is because, you know, I've had my things here and there where like had a sore IT band for a cut and didn't run for a couple months, but it was in the winter and didn't affect, you know, I, I've had some little things like that, but I just in general have never been very injury prone. I think that's also a product of never doing anything too crazy, you know, like, I don't know what I'm going to call crazy in triathlon, but uh, oh, usually being pretty smart and having some good guidance. So I've never really had issues with that. And, and I don't really get sick very much, um, you know, but I've had the same struggles as a lot of people where it, it's, t I have had some major nutrition fails where, you know, as far as me executing it, like I should, um, I, you know, I, I'm trying to think I've just had, you know, and just the struggles of not feeling good on a day or, or not um, executing the race correctly, but I've kind of just gotten to the point now that I've done it long enough that, you know, I'll have disappointments if, if things don't go well. Um, but at a certain level, I just kind of move on to the next thing. And, and it's not like I'm apathetic about it. You know, it's, you know, I take every race very seriously, but I've just kind of learned to just try to learn from things and go on to the next. Just being super general though, like give me some specifics on like moments that you were like, okay, so I know that if I fix this one part of my equation, it's going to work. Say like, well, here's my breakfast. Here's my nutrition plan. Like what are some things you actually had to spend time tweaking to make sure that you were always topped up on energy and race preparedness like what are those things like that nutrition fail that you referred to what was that nutrition fail? Uh, I, I think I'm trying to think of when when I failed with nutrition it's just been not staying and I mean it seems like and you probably all know but it, it seems like it shouldn't be that hard like make a plan and then like watch your watch and just do it but there's just been some times where you know you you get in the zone and then especially in an Ironman you you get behind on it or something and then I, I would say, the, I'm sorry, and I'm not being very straightforward here, but um, the biggest nutrition fail I have is the first Ironman I ever did in, 
which was Louisville in 2017. And I, it was a big lesson I learned where, you know, I didn't go that like kill it on the bike, but it was good enough. And I started running and I was like, oh, this feels great. I'm going to run this pace for 26 miles. And then around mile 12 or 13, I mean, it looked like the ground was coming up. I was super dizzy. I was like, I pretty much was like stumbling to, to special needs. And um, I think it was a big salt issue, which I had never had to worry about that much before because again, I, there's just, just a different beast when you're exercising literally all day. Um, and I had never really had to care about salt or sodium or anything before. So that was a lesson there. So then after that, I went and got one of the tests done where they put the, uh, on you. the sensor on your skin and, and see your sweat composition. And I did a sweat test and all of that. And, and I felt a little bit like, oh, maybe I should have done this years ago. But that was something that was a big, a big change for me. What did you um, adjust moving forward based on that test? Um, I just was just more cognizant of getting more sodium in. I was, and I was more cognizant of how electrolytes really do like affect things during the race. Because even if you, even if you do the calories, nutrition and have, uh, you know, correctly and have a high level of fitness, if your electrolyte balance is off, then, then it throws your whole body off. Mm -hmm. So that's just something I had never had to worry about before. And yeah, and, and I did to a full, right? In the full, you really see those <laughs> I've heard. So I've heard exposes the weaknesses. Yeah. In a half, you yes. can kind of get away with it. And it's like, oh, things are falling apart and the race is over. Good. Yeah. <laughs> is that a true story or are you just trying to plug base salt right now? Uh, I'm not. No. And I, I would say <laughs> I give base salt definitely some credit because that's what that's what I use now. Um, no, but that, that really is a, st a story. And again, I felt kind of stupid. I had been doing it long enough that I should have I should have known. But that that's one big adjustment I've had to make. But I mean, other than that, with nutrition and meals and everything, I mean, nothing too interesting. I, I kind of eat. I don't know. I, I kind of just eat whatever I want and I just try to get enough and like um, ho-hos and Twinkies or well, <laughs> cinnamon and dill. Not those exactly. I do eat some crap that I shouldn't, but I also just <laughs> try to get in, you know, nutrient dense things as well. So, so it's like agnostic, healthy eating. There you go. Yes. I like it. I've never, yeah, I'm going to use that term now. Matt Fitzgerald. <laughs> I just stole it from him. It's his. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's, that's pretty much what I do. And, and, you know, I'd be lying if I said it's, I, I've always been one of the, you know, I've always really enjoyed food and love to eat. So it's kind of nice when you have a good appetite all the time and you can kind of, yeah, enjoy it even it. more. So, <laughs> so I won't, you know, I won't be living this lifestyle forever. So I need to um, take advantage of it while I can. So, so what's your crew like in Boulder? Like, do you have, um, you know, a tight knit of people you train with? Are you solo? What type of athlete do you connect so with? I would say again, this year being very different, this year has been pretty lonely training wise. Um, but let's say before I, I got a lot of my group camaraderie and, and help really through the master swimming programs here because there's just so many good options and there's a lot of good athletes and you can just really push each other and you know, you can swim 4k and, and not that that's short or ever short, but it just seems like, you know, it goes real by really fast. And um, <laughs> yeah, I've definitely missed the camaraderie and, and, and challenge of that this year. Um, you know, so that that's with swimming. And then as far as biking and running, it's just been kind of here and there. I, I've never been part coached by a squad by someone who ran a squad here. So as far as that goes, it's just been riding with people here and there when I can, running with people here and there when I can. I honestly, it's, it's unfortunate, but I've never really trained with female pros here that much. 
it seems well, that's, like that's consistent are... with what most female pros deal with. Like I've yeah. for one noticed like pro male athletes have a different type of relationship than pro female athletes. And that's probably yeah. gender differences, just the, how we all work together or fail to work together. So yeah, I don't think that that's anything to, to really scoff at. So I think everyone's dealing with that. Yeah, I've noticed that too. And it is one thing about triathlon that, I, that I've learned over the years and, and it's not, you know, maybe it does apply more to women, but you know, when I was in running, even though it was an individual sport, it was very team oriented, lots of camaraderie, lots of, I have really good, great friendships, both from still from high school and my minimal college running. And so it's interesting to me that I, I don't really feel that vibe as much when it comes to triathlon. And maybe again, that's because if I was on a squad that did a training camp in Florida, like I, I might, I might feel a little bit different, but I think it kind of, then. People, yeah, I think people just kind of get into their own, have their own coach, get into their own patterns. And it's like, as much as I know, when I do train with people, I really enjoy it and, and, and feel better. It's just that whole, adjust, you know, adjusting schedules and, and, yeah. and all that. And so I don't know. Yeah, I, I wish I wish it was different. Um, I, it's just not really, though. <laughs> do you think we're all just too self-absorbed? That's what really it. I mean, maybe it, it does. Well, <laughs> no, I mean, no, it's, it's, it's I mean, worked for you. It's worked <laughs> for you. Like, and, and you kind of, you know, in talking, you're kind of like, well, I never really did anything too crazy or didn't change too much. And, you know, in your training and your nutrition stuff. And that's kind of like a big point, like to be successful as a pro, you can't be changing and doing crazy things. Like, you know, I get on Nick's case sometimes because he's like, well, I'm going to go do a hundred mile run. And this type of shit and i'm like but just keep her simple be hey this is 2020 and you can do anything you yeah, want 2020 <laughs> doesn't count for any of this Lay off. that's true that's true but point being i mean keeping it simple and doing what works for you has obviously paid off and i and you know we've talked about this before but you mentioned how in 2014 2015 some of those races weren't as competitive um and where you got the wins but you've still got a ton of podiums in the recent years so obviously you've managed to um to really improve. And I've heard that from a lot of, like I wasn't racing in 2014, 15, 16, but I've heard that from, you know, Cody Beals and other people I know who Jackson, were you were still in high school. Seriously. <laughs> He's still getting his grade 10. <laughs> Jack. Yeah, it, it, it has changed, I think. And I think too, what's changed is just, you know, when I was first doing the sport, there was the high V series, the non-drafting Olympic series, like high V and lifetime. They both had a lot of money and, you know, even WTC had more races. Um, so it's, it's partly a product of just number of races on the calendar as well and number of races in North America. So I, I think also it's like, there were obviously amazing athletes and in, in great competition, but it was just spread out a little bit more. Sure. Yeah. 2014, yeah. 2015, that was before uh, Nick was able to order off the seniors menu. <laughs> hey. I do have three three great chin hairs. This isn't let's not celebrate that, okay? The good old uh, days. That's nothing to do with age though, because I freaking get gray hairs too. It's yeah. not good. But okay, so fast forwarding to 2020, the topic that nobody wants to talk about. Yeah. So you haven't really raced. Um you did a couple of VR races. One of those was probably uh or both of them were those Iron Man VRs. So yes, they were. And the first one was just the bike. And um, the second one was, they, it was one of those where they had us do a swim and a run as well. Nice. 
So yeah, I mean that was pretty cool. They had some money to pay out to yeah. pros to yeah. promote that the series. Great. I did one of those. Nick did one. Yeah, um, the dub in one. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I think maybe I knew that. <laughs> Very so, insignificant. This PTO race comes up, and um, were you like, "Oh my gosh, this is my chance to race. I'm totally in," or were you like most of us? Maybe not me, but most people were thinking, "Like, should I do this race? Like, let's just see how this goes." Kind of. Well, my only hesitancy was like, I, I just learned to kind of not hold my breath for anything this year. So. I think that I was like, is this race going to happen? And then, you know, shout out to, you know, the PTO and the people and the organizers of the race for, you know, finding a way to have it be in a, you know, pretty controlled environment and have people get testing. And um, so once I, once I started realizing, you know, it looks like this race is going to happen, then I was like, all right, let's, time to get moving. And, and don't get me wrong. I, I definitely stayed consistent with being active all year. I took a big break in March and April, like, you know, like a lot of people did just because, you know, how long, you can't hold a fitness peak all year. So, um, and I had been planning on doing some racing in April and May. So I took a big break. And then, you know, since then it, it, I've definitely stayed consistent, but it, it did make me realize how much it changed my life to not have races to plan for and races on the weekend and travel and, and everything that comes along with it. So I, I guess that's kind of a long-winded way of saying that I, once I realized the race was going to happen, I, I've been really excited because, you know, and, and also the distance of it, I'm really excited about. I, I don't think I'd be ready to do a full Ironman this year. So I think that it's going to be a great race. And then I think also, then it just kind of only made sense to do Florida 70.3 after that and and I really again shout out to the PTO where it's uh, that they funded some smaller races uh, leading up to Daytona but I just kind of decided with my coach that it made more sense for me to just get in uninterrupted training what the heck um, you should come to my race in Bear Lick I'm bummed yeah well <laughs> that one yeah I forget why yeah oh that wouldn't have been pretty but it was a shit show <laughs> no doubt <laughs> I, I, would have been pretty, I mean, yeah, part of me wishes I, I would have raced, but I just, again, I just talked to my coach and it kind of seemed like the best decision. And I've really gotten in pretty consistent and uninterrupted training, you know, really, you know, getting going in September. And then, you know, I really struggled with a lot of the fires and the smoke from the fires around Colorado. I, I, I was struggling training in that. And so I decided to go to um, the Midwest where my parents live and visit them for a couple weeks and do some training there. And then after a couple weeks there, then the fires started like right next to Boulder. So obviously the situation wasn't much better. So I just stayed there a couple more weeks and um, yeah, that was really great. And now I'm back in Boulder and, and pretty much it was like for a month, like I was in high school again and it was kind of awesome. <laughs> now it's winter. Mom yeah. makes you dinner and- Oh yeah, they-, they it was great. Yeah. They, um, they're both Jealous. retired and like to cook. So it was a win for me for sure. And Oh, nice. Yeah. Do you have any pets? So, um, I do not have any pets. I have like one plant. Do you, do you hate, do you hate animals? No, I actually love animals and it's because I love, I've had cats and dogs, you know, off and on throughout my life. I just feel like it's, I'm not living a, eh, again, this year would have been different, but in general, not really living a lifestyle where, I, you know, am ready for that responsibility, I guess. Yeah, I don't know if that's a good way to put it, but it's not yeah, that no, that's fair. 
Garrick's just I, got his first child. Is, no, he's had dogs before, and then it got that's, taken from him. He's got a first cat child. Yeah, oh, that's cat. Like, you know, we, everybody has their COVID child. <laughs> Mine is in my belly. <laughs> Oh yeah. yeah really, so, so with the race, obviously the Daytona race, this is kind of a unique thing that we really, ha- at least in our generation of professional athletes, we haven't seen a race like this happen. And the distance is unique. The athletes coming into it is unique. Are unique. Mm-hmm. So how have you shaped your training to kind of suit this race format? So that's a good question because I, I definitely have. And again, giving my coach David some credit with that as well. I've what I've been doing for the, like, let's say consistently for, for the past, past month is with my running, it's been a little more polarized in the sense that I've been doing a lot more just super easy running, but then also more like hard track intervals, stuff faster mm-hmm. than thresholds, everything like that. Whereas when I'm training for an Ironman, it seems like there's a lot more of that middle of the road pace, if that makes yeah. sense. So I've actually really enjoyed it. And I think my body's think proofs in the pudding or whatever, but I think I've I've responded to it pretty well. And I would say it's been similar with cycling. Um, And, and, you know, now getting into these next few weeks, it's going to be a lot more race specific, but still trying to get in that speed because, you know, it's about 11 miles, only two miles shorter, but I just think with such a flat course, a shorter bike, you know, some short course athletes, I think the training will is has been a good change up for my body, and I think it'll be good for this race as well. Yeah, 10k pace for 11 miles would be good. I, I think that's what it's going to be, and and I think the swim will be very interesting as well. Uh, 500 um, meter pace for uh, 1500 meters. Yeah, Two, and, and the massive swim start. So I've I've been trying to you know who knows if this will do any good, but I've been trying to do some shorter, faster swim intervals as well, just to try to work on some quick arm turnover to try to not, you know, to try to get out at the beginning of the race. But I mean, obviously it's going to be a total crapshoot. I have no idea. Yeah. Have you talked to any ITU girls to see kind of what it's like, like an ITU swim start or something like that? Because I know the ITU girls are going to be gunning for that. The first time. Oh, yeah. They are. And I'm like, can we just do like two swim waves and then figure out the times (laughs) later? I mean, I, I, I think that, yeah, I just think when it comes to ITU racing, it's just, you know, and everyone knows this, the swim is, it's just uh, can can it's impact things a little bit more. So um, that's, I mean, and that's why I never, you know, I obviously started a little late to never say never, but started a little late to be going on the ITU path. Um, but just not having that swimming background, it never really even crossed my mind to do it. So. Yeah. I think this race is going to be interesting with the swim and obviously that both the women's and the men's race. And um, it's like, well, the, the athletes, the ITU athletes who are invited, the thing is, it's not just ITU athletes. It's like top-notch WTS athletes who are yeah. just so fast at swimming that it's going to be insane. Like the slowest swimmer in a WTS race is probably still front pack in like yes. the Ironman. So. But there's, yeah. not, there's not like a huge, huge number of them though. Like they are getting a lot of press, but there's not like 15 of them. There's like maybe five or six. There's not a huge number of those out yeah. there, so. I think it's going to be them and everybody else, but I still think a lot of this race is going to come together. Yeah. And, and also assuming they're doing the, these are things I should probably already know. Maybe you guys do, but um, I'm assume, assuming they're doing the 20 meter draft rule again, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, that's so, adverti- advertised. Yeah, so I'm pretty pumped about that because just just again based on that swim dynamic, more so than anything. So wait, yeah. that has been advertised. I've missed that. Yeah, for yeah, that. it's been advertised, and uh, but they're they're doing. So you're going to be able to be staggered along the, uh, I guess, along the, the gradient so that you could have like, it'd be almost like the track. You could do like two pace lines almost, which might, which might have to come into play because if some, some athletes, cause it's what it's 4k loop. So that's at least for the guys, that's like five and a half minutes ish. Yeah. So if I'm thinking if like a Brownlee comes out of the water, five and a half to six or five minutes ahead of like a Lionel, He's going to have them tagged on the bike for every lap, right? And they're going to come together. And, I mean, there's no way Lionel's making up six minutes in 18K. Not that I'm saying Lionel's going to be the guy to beat in Daytona, but I think that. But then the ITU guys, you know, it's double their longest race distance on the bike in the time travel. And I know some athletes, like, uh, who was it, like Georgia Taylor Brown or something, was like, I'm going to ride my road bike because it's going to be more comfortable. And it's like, okay, well – you're uh, <laughs> like it's a really old dice there <laughs> yeah i i don't know her i i, I would not recommend that but <laughs> yeah yeah it's it, flat it, it's fast arrow comfortable yeah. isn't really important it's just fast like it's also yeah it's going to be instead of whatever just over two hours with the men it'll be like an hour 45 and the women will probably be getting down close to two hours so it's less time to worry about being comfortable oh yeah oh yeah i and that's one thing too i think um i'm going to try to start doing more is practicing riding an arrow position because there's not going to be a break from it i mean or there shouldn't really be a break from it so yeah it's terrible (laughs) (laughs) my neck will be fine again not it's not or it's not iron man distance on a totally flat course at least yeah, yeah that's something that. you're gonna have a huge advantage over over those IQ girls right even though like nick said it's only five or six of them but that's gonna be somewhere you can make that time back yeah for sure and and i'm also excited to run uh the for the run distance as well just because just i mean i know it's only a couple of miles shorter but i you, i just you think, still have a goal time that you want to hit i bet yeah i think um yeah i don't i don't know exactly but just faster pace than my fastest 70.3 i'll say that beautiful yeah. that's what i've been going for too i'm like okay fastest one yep. a few seconds then let's three minutes that. per k yep. that's, <laughs> that's that yeah so something like that <laughs> so okay i've got to put you on the spot here a bit what okay. goals do you have for the race i mean I find for myself really hard to set like a place goal because there's so many yeah. people having raced and stuff but like you know do you have a range where you think, okay, if I finish kind of in this range, I'd be happy with that? You know, I think I have different, for most races, I try to have kind of different levels of goals. Like, you know, here's like kind of the lofty goal. Here is the, I mean, and again, I totally agree with you that it's just really hard when people haven't been racing and, and all that. And this race having a different dynamic, um, which makes it kind of more exciting and interesting. So I'm happy about it, but it's just harder to predict. So I mean, obviously, based on the prize money breakdown, like I would say it would be awesome to be in the top 20. And I think, you know, some things would, like any race, things would have to kind of work out well. Um, So I would say that would be a huge goal for me. 
And then after that, it would just be to, and I know this isn't very exciting, but just to come and have a good showing and after not racing all year and, and not, and, and just going really hard and, and seeing where I'm at. That's, so, couldn't ask for anything else. Yeah. And then, and then also doing, mm-hmm. and that's kind of also, I, I'm excited to do 70, Florida 70.3 the next weekend, because as much as, you know, doubling up is not the always the best idea. I, I do just think it makes sense. And if I'm going to race, might as well do another one and see how that goes as well. So I think doing mm-hmm. the double is, is pretty motivating for me. And if there's ever a year where double race makes any sense, it's this year. Yeah. yeah, Jackson. Yeah. Back to back races when you haven't stuff. raced all year uh, <laughs> makes sense. But yeah. And, and I think, you know, you can kind of keep that fitness level when you have kind of banked all that rest in a sense, like right. you're kind of really trained hard for a block taper, hit those two races. And that's a little easier than if you're kind of racing all year and then trying to do it. Totally. It's, it's tough. Totally. And, and I will say, obviously I wish the world was different right now, but I think that it'll be, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how people are fitness wise getting more rest and more breaks than, than usual. So based on what I've seen, they're still pretty effing fast. Yeah. Seems like it. Not much is changing. Yeah, for sure. So, so yeah, well, we're going to be looking forward to a post race race recap at Daytona. We're all going to be together for and before Florida. So we'll do some content. We'll do some podcasting. Then we'll talk, we'll have all kinds of beers and fun and ice cream and pizza We'll put on oh, that sounds great. We're gonna do a we're gonna do a beer mile before the seventy point three the day before, and then we're gonna see how we race. We're gonna do some experiments. We're gonna have fun. We're playing uh-huh. golf the day after the race. That's my that's my. No, we're not. Best. We are. We're playing golf. You haven't, Look, Jackson. Let me tell golf. you. Let me tell you why you're not gonna play golf, Jackson. Because you haven't seen how much it costs to rent gear, get a car, get the shoes, buy a polo. You can't. You you're not buy shoes. Too, you're too cheap to want to play all that golf, bud. I'm telling you, bud, you're not, it's too frilly. It's Florida, you could find a way to do stuff for like twenty bucks. Uh, not in this part of Florida. You got to go to the other parts of Florida. Yeah, and Jackson, maybe it will depend on how you do in the races. True. All right. Oh yeah, Thanks. if you get if you get that like fifty grand, you're buying dinner. That's a deal. <laughs> okay. Shake on it. Yeah. A steak that's dinner. A, pretty sure that's a podium. So uh, at the PTO champ. So I don't think I'd be too upset about that. Yeah, please, please do it. It is Leslie, a as well. Okay. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm trying to think of anything else that uh. <laughs> we should probably uh, be the ones who are like, okay, well, this is yeah. Enough. Don't you worry about that, Leslie. We'll we'll go ahead and tell you when we're when you're done. <laughs> okay, I'm just trying. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying here. to prompt you to. <laughs> I'm trying, to, I'm trying to prompt you to, to ask me questions that make me sound super interesting. Um, so yeah. right now, what, you've got a very good prescription in those glasses. Can you tell us about your eyesight and how it's affected your ability to really handle the bike? Well. Just, no, just kidding. I think, I think you've really laid out a really good roadmap of who you are, your you're obviously incredibly talented. You haven't, ha- I mean, I'm impressed that you're just like showed up, kicking ass. You don't seem like you're too bogged down by this, that, and the other. You just get shit done. And I think that that attitude is respectable. And it's something that is refreshing to see from a pro athlete. Cause you're not like me. I'm making excuses for everything. I'm always tired and injured. I got, I just, I'm a big old mess. <laughs> and you're a streamlined, dedicated killer. I love it. So you can be I a think- sports psychologist for Nick. 
Okay. Yeah. I, I should start doing that. No. And I really appreciate that. And that's come from, I, I don't know. I, I definitely had, trust me, I've had my moments of freaking out about small things and, and getting too much in my head about things again, which comes along with a very individual sport where mm-hmm. about as in, individual as it gets. Um, but I think, yeah, now I've just been kind of learning to, you know, it's taken time to kind of learn to go with the flow a little bit more and, and just kind of have that attitude. So, well, we're going to get to know you real well in Hayden city and we'll really get to see the real Leslie Smith and awesome. we're going to capture it on video and it's gonna <laughs> embarrassing. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have to watch myself. All right. Nope. Authentic. Uh, I got hidden cameras everywhere already. I rented the house. It's set up. Okay. Hidden cameras. All right. <laughs> not that type. Okay. Don't go there. <laughs> Gross. I'm not interested in any of that. Um, so anyways, well, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for being our guest and for giving our listeners some like really cool, like, I guess like it's never too late. You can just wake up if you think you've got it, test yourself. And if you realize it's going well, like you went all in and more power to you. So thank yep. you for your story. And we're going to definitely keep the tabs on you. Um, and then, you know, we'll see you real soon and we'll do a recap and good luck. All right, cool. Well, thank you. And thanks for having me and chatting with me and yeah, I'll see all of you guys soon. Darn right. See you in Florida. Yep. Well, we got another great woman on the podcast. That was another great interview. Happy to have her on. Jack, what did you think about that? Yeah, her, her consistency, it just, to me, is what really impressed me about her results. And I think it's all in her mindset. I mean, we saw it just from getting to know her here that she doesn't take anything too hard. You know, if she has a bad race, she kind of learns from it, moves on, doesn't change anything too crazy. 16 podiums, a a ton of second places. She's got a couple of wins. Um, That's, you know, all those podiums are Ironmans and 70.3. So really stellar athlete. And she'll be looking to do some damage at the PTO champs. I think she was being a little conservative at the top 20. I think we could see her in the top 15 for sure if she has a good day. I agree 100%. Um, she's very like, what's one thing I gather is she's just very understated with her capabilities. Like you wouldn't know it, but she is a dominant force and you're going to see that in the results. If you just check out her, her speed. Yeah. And if there's one thing we know what to do here, it is get on great female role models who perform really well after coming on the podcast. And I don't want to say it's due to the podcast, but there is some strong evidence that supports it. There's some strong correlations. I mean, we've seen it. So Leslie's been on. I think she's going to crush her at the PTO champs and Haines City. Watch out for her. I think that's about it for today, boys. Yeah, I think we should roll her out. So until next time. Peace. Through the sky in my parachute Dancing on the couch like I'm Tommy Cruise On a one-man mission trying to see it through